Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six on our series Logistics in Motion. And with me today is Peter Hawkins. And with me today is Arno Mello. We're back here today, Peter, and today we're going to talk about trucking freight. And uh, this is, um, you know, exciting as well. Well, it's exciting because people often say to us, do you handle trucking? But the fact is, if you handle air and ocean, of course you handle trucking. That's how the stuff gets to the airline and it's how it gets to the ocean line. But of course, we do handle trucking from origin to destination and of course, cross border and cross the other border. Trucking is the way that most cargo is moved around the world. Yeah, and domestically as well. So across Canada, as you said, and to the U.S. and Mexico, which a lot of people probably don't know, there's huge amounts of cargo moving from Mexico to Canada via the U.S. And this is the most economical way as well to move cargo. Of course, it takes longer, right? Longer than air. But um, it's a very economical way to to do it. And um, when you move something by trucking, let's say from here to Vancouver, um, a lot of people might think, oh, it's it, it can be quite expensive, it could be complicated. Well, it's not because there is uh, carriers uh, in Canada uh, that service specific lanes. So if I want to go to Vancouver, I have a set of carriers that service the west and I have a set of carriers that service the east, for example. And if I want to go to the U.S., I have a set of carriers that specialize in that and Mexico as well. One thing that's very interesting is that uh, in Canada, the individual provinces control the rules around trucking. So it's important to make sure that truckers who are picking up in one province and delivering to another province, of course, are permitted to and have all the right permissions and licenses to do just that. The rules apply differently in different provinces. Some provinces prefer to have heavy cargo uh, moving at night versus day. Others prefer day versus night. Um, a lot of that is interesting through the Rockies. There's different rules that apply whether you're in the Alberta Rockies or whether you're in the the uh, BC Rockies so you have to make sure that the trucking companies that you're using do know how to do things properly and of course have the proper insurance yes and again if you use a freight forwarder and um, to do pricing and arrange the trucking for you the freight forwarder will know um, which you know trucking company services whatever destination and all the rules that Peter uh, mentioned Another thing with trucking is that rates for trucking, like the freight in trucking, is normally calculated by the space that the product occupies inside the truck. So if you are shipping a pallet or two or three, uh, you'll be charged by the pallet position inside the truck. Of course, if the shipment is very heavy, then the trucker will charge you based on weight as well and dimensions. And then there is a whole formula you work on um, to determine the price for you. But normally, uh, rates are calculated on the space that you take inside the truck. So that's a less than truckload that we're talking about. And there comes a point, suppose you have five or six pallets of, of cargo going in a truck, and the cost, might you might actually find it might be better for you just to buy the whole truckload. And you have to actually compare prices to see what works best. In that case, when you have a dedicated trucker delivering your stuff uh, from uh, origin to destination all the way, while it's more expensive, it's also um, most, uh, it's, it's more uh, expedient and, of course, it's most effective. And and uh, so you have full truckloads, you have less than truckloads. 
Um, and different trucking companies, of course, classify things differently depending on the density, and that can affect the price. Um, there are specific rules about density, but then when a trucker looks at your cargo and makes a decision saying, well, that one is is this density versus another density, and it can affect the price. Tailgate can also affect the price. If you have uh, uh, if you have a loading dock and the truck is able to back up and you're able to put your cargo directly on the truck with... Uh, uh, out using a tailgate, you save money. If you have the cargo on the ground and it needs a tailgate, well, in that case, the, the, there's probably an additional uh, anywhere from 250 to $400 to raise and lower that tailgate and, of course, have a truck that has that specific equipment. So you, there's lots of things to consider when you are booking trucking, keeping in mind that um, truckers also have their own routes, and as long as things are moving forward, then you really have no say if you're doing a less than uh, truck load. So if you're doing two or three pallets on something and you're sending it from here to Vancouver and there are going to be stops in Winnipeg and then it's going to be offloaded and reloaded in another truck and then it's going to be on another truck in Edmonton and then another truck in Kamloops perhaps or something like that. It it ends up being a situation where you have uh, an estimated arrival time but you really have no control of what's happening as as the cargo is making its journey across the country. Yeah, you can have delays, you can have many things happen, especially in the wintertime in Canada, the Rockies and everything else. So, yeah, you have an estimated um, uh, transit time and arrival time. Arna, why don't you talk a little bit about insurance and the importance of insurance? Yeah, like every every mode of transport, you should always uh, consider the having insurance for the value of your cargo. Of course, we talked about air and ocean, and now we're talking about uh, trucking. And the, all carriers have their internal maximum liability for insurance when it's come to cargo weight, but not volume. When a freight forwarder books a cargo with a trucking company, we don't tell the trucking company the value of the goods. Uh, if I do that, it implies that I want the trucking company to insure my product through their own insurance company based on the value of the goods that I'm giving to them. As a freight forwarder, we have our own policy uh, of insurance worldwide that covers air, ocean, trucking, and whatever mode of transport we're doing. So if I want to insure the cargo for my customer, I will insure it through our own policy and not the trucking company policy. Uh, Why? Because our rates are lower than a trucking company or an airline or or a steamship line will have their own insurance. So our rates will definitely be lower than the carrier itself. And we have to consider all of these things when it comes to pricing. The position of the cargo, the insurance of the cargo, the value of the cargo, the documentation required, and of course, whether or not the cargo is dangerous and are placards required. And so all of that stuff ends up uh, being um, added to and considered in the pricing. Arno, you know what? Can you tell us uh, that story about the uh, cargo that was in northern Ontario in deepest, darkest February, uh, the one about the shock absorbers? Yes, that's a, that's a good and tragic story in a way, but it comes again, the importance of, in, of insurance. So we arranged the shipment, an air freight shipment from the countryside of Brazil to come to Canada and then be delivered um, to Winnipeg. And because of the size of the shipment, we had to fly it from uh, Sao Paulo to Toronto on a direct flight. 
clear it very fast and then give it to a trucking company, a really reliable and large trucking company from here to Winnipeg. And it was February. I remember it was February because it was carnival time in Brazil. And it was a Friday just before carnival when I got the phone call. And um, so the truck uh, left Toronto and it was uh, about in North Bay, I guess. It was, I don't know, the mid of February. And uh, I got a phone call from the trucker saying, Arnold, unfortunately, there was this huge disaster with our truck and the truck burned down. So something went wrong with the electronics of the truck. I'm not sure exactly. And the entire truck burned to the ground. The uh, driver, of course, uh, was, was not harmed. He was able to escape. But they sent uh, pictures of, of the status of the, 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 the truck on the road. And I was so shocked because how can something like, I guess the fire was so intense, it melted everything. And uh, at that point, you know, I've been in this business over 20 years and I never had an accident like this where something gets burned to to, to the ground, especially on, on trucking. And I think it was four o'clock Friday before Carnival. Carnival in Brazil is a it's a it's a national holiday. Everything shuts down for basically a week. And I had to call the customer in Brazil and, and at four o'clock on a Friday and tell him, guess what? I have terrible news. The truck taking your urgent cargo to Winnipeg, burned down. And I, I need to tell you this now because if you have um, any sort of product left on Monday or Tuesday that I can collect in Brazil and try to make another uh, flight to Canada because the, the factory in Winnipeg was shutting down needing this product. So the news was terrible, but you know it, it doesn't matter for me how bad the news is. I think you always have come to the front of, of any disasters or any happy story as well and tell your customers so they can plan themselves. And uh, so that's exactly what we did. They had more equipment uh, ready. We picked up on Monday and we were able to fly the equipment here on Wednesday, the following week, and again, deliver that product uh, uh, to Winnipeg. But the importance of insurance here was that they were fully insured uh, we filed the claim, of course, with the trucking company and our insurance company, and they received the full value of the cargo. But it was just tragic that something so urgent um, had uh, such a terrible ending, right? And they couldn't make their the original deadline. The uh, manufacturing line had paused, waiting for the stuff to arrive. And you have to remember, too, the uh, manufacturer in Brazil who had produced the product uh, had never been to Canada, had no real appreciation of what minus 30 or minus 35 or minus 40 actually looked like. And so for us to say that we had this disaster and T's already had a couple of beers in him and he's having this terrible shock. Sorry, I'm laughing about it now. It it, it, it was a tragedy. <laughs> but the But the best thing about it is uh, the fact that, you know, our standard operating procedure is you call and notify the customer immediately, no matter how bad the news, no matter what time. So there is no waiting till, you know, we can give you good news. We're going to call and contact you now and see what kind of decisions you want to make and also uh, what you can do and what we can do to help. And, um, and, and, and it was just so... I mean, I've given bad news to clients before, right? So, or delays or something happened, but this was really tragic. I don't think we ever had 
No, I, I, we never did. Any sort of fire to this extent to damage someone's cargo. And, and I think that was the shock. I think you're right. I think the fact that this, this particular fire was so hot and to have these shock absorbers, you know, melt was just, just imagine the, the intensity of the fire. Luckily, no one was hurt. And of course, um, insurance. Uh, insurance covered everything and things were, we were able to move, move forward. But man, there's some things you just cannot control and you never expect. It really is kind of amazing when you see that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and also in logistics and supply chain, there is many uh, chains, right, on the process. So there's many people involved. So of course there is, you know, the, the, the local truck, the airline and everything else. So anything can happen in this process. So you have to be prepared always with insurance. Now, something else that uh, you can't control and you can't predict, of course, are customs inspections. One thing that happens all the time is when, uh, the uh, things travel cross border. There's um, all kinds of pre-planning that has to happen. And um, I don't know. Maybe you can talk a little bit about PARS and PAPS and uh, make it clear what goes on in those situations. Yeah, when when trucking happens, uh, you know, across borders, um, we're going to talk about U.S. and Canada borders because Mexico is a different process as well. And we can talk a little bit about that. Again, uh, so let's talk about the import process into Canada from the U.S., let's say. So a truck, um, you know, picks up something in New York and is bringing it to Toronto. Well, um, everything that crosses Canadian borders uh, must be pre-declared by the carrier. So in this case, the trucking company collects the shipment in New York and they will uh, prepare a manifest for that truck that is coming to Canada with a different kinds of shipments inside that truck. You could have like, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 shipments inside that truck. And each of them, uh, the trucker must prepare a document called PARS, the pre-arrival review system. And what it is, is basically they have to send the information, commercial invoice, the trucking bill, the packing list, to the Canadian customs broker uh, on that shipment. And the Canadian customs broker then puts that information into the Canada Customs uh, system. So when the truck, uh, then the shipment is accepted into the Canada Customs uh, system, and when the truck then proceeds to the border, they, they will only proceed to the border when they have an acceptance of this process. Because the truck, when it gets to the Canadian border, the officer scans the barcode that exists in the door of the driver, and that barcode shows... Uh, on the screen of the officer, everything that is inside that truck, um, you know, the, you know, if there's food or machine parts, whatever it is, and the client's names, it shows up on the screen. And if everything looks, you know, okay, and there's nothing wrong with that manifest, the truck is going to go through because everything has been pre-declared. When the officer suspects something or wants to inspect something, they will send the truck to an area where the, the entire truck goes through an X-ray machine, a very large uh, machine that the truck drives through it. And, you know, if, again, everything looks okay and nothing there, the truck, you know, will continue to Canada. But if the officer cannot see a particular shipment or because of density, whatever it is, they will pull the truck aside and uh, offload that truck for a physical inspection. And that, it's terrible because it's going to have extra charges, the entire truck will be held at the border, 
and it's uh, you know the consignee eventually will pay the price for that for that delay because you know something is not right but this pre-arrival review system pars and the pre-arrival declaration is very important because you can imagine there's thousands of trucks every single day crossing back and forth between Canada and the US and we've we've driven once to Chicago and on the way back remember Peter we were on the road and we saw this lineup of trucks it must have been 200 trucks in that line oh my god yeah there was like i don't know 20 kilometers of trucks just waiting one by one to go through and it's massive so you know you need to automate this system so uh, you know, when the truck gets to the border, present documents, you know, papers, none of that exists anymore because everything is done electronically. And, of course, going the other way, when something from Canada goes to the U.S., they use a system called PAPS, P-A-P-S, Pre-Arrival Process System, which is basically the same. So the Canadian um, trucking company will send to the U.S. customs broker, all the documents they will put into the system. The U.S. customs will accept uh, the shipment and allow then the truck to, to go. And of course, in these both processes, the trucker sends all the documents in advance. The product is sitting on their warehouse, right, on, on their terminal. They send all the documents, and only when they get the approval on both systems is when the truck is loaded, the manifest is done, and the truck can go. Because, you know, truckers cannot take a chance. They cannot uh, go to the border and, oh, I'm just going to go there and hope that everything will be okay and I'll cross. No, it needs to be a pre-arrival clearance to avoid delays and inspections that are going to be, you know, costly to to the final customer. You're absolutely right. And one thing that I think we should also make clear is what kind of documentation we are sending. So, Arno, can you sort of fill in what documentation is needed for a truck shipment? Yes. So, of course, the truck bill of lading, uh, which is a document that shows the shipper, the consignee, the basic description of the cargo, the pieces, the weight, and the dimensions, and then the commercial invoice, and packing list and of course if it is a hundred percent canadian made goods the shipper will make a the us mca this uh, certificate of origin the new nafta certificate of origin right that is in effect now and uh, all of that is sent to the broker and given to the driver as well uh, but nowadays a driver really doesn't carry uh, all these pieces of paper on his hand because everything is loaded um, internally on the on on the system. It's scanned as a PDF, and the trucking company has on their systems, and everybody will have the same copy of the scanned document. So the driver really probably carried just the truck bill of lading and the manifest for the truck when he arrives at the border. Um, otherwise, can you imagine like? 50 shipments on the truck and the driver has this huge <laughs> pile of documents to present. That is, uh, you know, it, 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 it doesn't work like that anymore. And before I forget, I also want to talk quickly about how is the clearance into Mexico, right, Peter? Because it's, um, yes, of course. again, a, a, a different process altogether. And it's very unique in Mexico. So if something, let's say something from Canada goes to Mexico, of course, it has to transit via the U.S. Well, we do a TNE bond, which is a transit export bond, which means the shipment will go from here via the U.S. without clearing customs 
all the way to Laredo, let's say, which is a major, Laredo, Texas, which is a major crossing point into Mexico. And when it gets there, the driver that went from here to the U.S., the driver, Canadian driver or the U.S. driver, they are not allowed into Mexico. Only the trailer is allowed into Mexico. So what happens is the trucking company that contracted the shipment, they would have a Mexican partner. So what happens is the Mexican partner sends their driver with their truck into the border and they hook up the trailer and the trailer crosses into Mexico. Again, the customs clearance process into Mexico is complex, a little bit more than, you know, Canada and U.S. border. And then when everything is cleared by a Mexican customs broker, the entire trailer goes, you know, to Mexico City, whatever, and then they offload. So as you can see, trucking, um, crossing borders, it's a little bit complicated and detailed and you need to understand how this border works uh, in order uh, for you to, to be prepared for delays. Uh, crossing uh, into the U.S. or U.S. to Canada is very fast, um, very, I'm going to say, very organized. But into Mexico, it can take a few days for all of that to be arranged. So if you're shipping something to Mexico from Canada, just, just you know, plan yourself uh, accordingly. Otherwise, uh, you're going to have some delays. One thing uh, we should always uh, be very aware of is there is a genuine shortage of drivers. And I've talked about this before. There is a shortage of truck drivers for cross Canada, and there is a shortage of drivers for cross-border. And the problem here is that... Um, uh, over the last few years, um, there's a large number of um, newcomers who are taking roles as drivers, which is fantastic, but they are visible minorities. And um, in many cases, they've been mistreated uh, when they cross the border into the U.S. And in some cases, of course, they're not allowed to go to uh, any truck stops or anything like that and have to um, just use drive throughs but you can't do a drive through in a giant truck when you are uh, uh, trying to protect yourself from COVID and each state has different rules with COVID. So this shortage of drivers has made it very complicated in getting trucks um, to uh, move cargo and has affected pricing. So uh, Canada has gone to great lengths to recruit drivers from around the world and to train drivers, but also trying to find those drivers who are willing to um, um, really take quite a responsibility in crossing borders and crossing into other countries. So um, this is a genuine problem. It's a real problem. We don't have an end yet. Um, but I do encourage anyone who is thinking of trucking for a career, it is a great career and it's a good financial um, uh, return, And uh, although it can be lonely. And uh, so we just, I, I do want to put a plea out there for anybody who is considering a career to please seriously consider it. It is a, a good, fast way to jumpstart a career and especially um, if you have... Uh, uh, a real willingness to um, uh, see the Canada see and see the States. Yes, driving through this great country of ours, it would be absolutely amazing. We, we still need to do it, Peter. We still need to go to the West Coast. <laughs> well, we've been there plenty of times. We just haven't driven. driven exactly. <laughs> so anyway, everyone, this takes us to the end of Episode 6 about trucking freight across Canada and North America. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Uh, follow us on our Instagram account. Stay tuned for other episodes coming your way. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And we'll see you soon. Take see care. you soon. Thank you. Thank you.